the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. I want to talk, as I said today, about this idea of visualizing and verbalizing. Recovery never happens without working on what you see and what you say. If you don't work on what you see and what you say, you'll never really recover. There is a visualization process that I'll show you in Scripture in a few moments. What you see with your spiritual eyes and what you say with your mouth are vital to this process. Your internal vision, you have an internal vision, and your internal vision, how you see on the inside, how you see in the eyes of your heart and the eyes of your mind is going to affect your external actions. That what you're seeing internally will affect you externally. You have two sets of eyes. You have physical eyes. We're blessed by the, the, vision, the, the, the power of vision. It's a wonderful blessing that we have and can experience in life. But there's also another set of eyes that you and I have as well. The, it represents the eyes of the heart or spiritual eyes. And the condition of your spiritual eyes, your spiritual vision is extremely important. And improving your spiritual vision is vital. It is essential to recovery. That is the key point that I want you to grasp. If you do not improve improve your spiritual vision, you will never experience getting back those things that you've lost and, in fact, finding those things again that you have forfeited in your life. The Bible makes it so clear that our spiritual vision has tremendous impact in our lives. Notice Proverbs 29, verse number 18. The wise writer of Proverbs, Solomon says, where there is no vision, he's talking about spiritual sight, spiritual Revelation, where there is no vision, notice that phrase, no vision. When your vision, your spiritual vision is poor or you have no spiritual vision at all, where there is no vision, what happens? People perish. There are a lot of people who are living perishing lives. What do you mean by perishing? Well, you think about the food industry. You have foods that are perishable and foods that are non-perishable. A perishable food means it has a time limit in terms of its usefulness. It's going to deteriorate over time to where you can't utilize it well. There are a lot of people whose lives are deteriorating. They're sort of wasting away because they have no spiritual vision. But he that keepeth the law or has a vision for God's law, happy is he. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 13, verse 16. But blessed, notice that word, blessed are your eyes. What is he talking about there? Not just your natural eyes. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. That is, you are blessed when you have spiritual eyes that are able to see. He's saying that when your spiritual sight is strong, it will bring blessing into your life. 
Notice John chapter 12, verse 40. Again, Jesus is referring to spiritual sight here. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. There's a lot of context to that that I don't have time this weekend to talk about. But what I want you to see is that if we see inappropriately with our eyes, if we don't have good spiritual vision, it's going to hinder, restrict, keep us from certain healing points in our lives. There's no question that blinded spiritual eyes keep us from changing, keep us from healing, and keep us from what we're talking about in this series, keep us from recovery. If you and I don't see things the right way, we're never going to recover. The classic example of this is found in the children of Israel in the Old Testament. I'll take you back to the time when Moses had led them out of Egyptian slavery and they crossed the Red Sea and now they're headed toward the promised land. They stop at Mount Sinai and then Moses leads them on to the shores or the, uh, other, the eastern shore of the, of the promised land. They have not entered in yet. God's promised them this land, but they're not there yet. And so what Moses does is that Moses appoints 12 spies, 12 men to actually go out and check out the land to come back and bring a report to the entire congregation of Israel. Notice what happens here in the story, Numbers chapter 13, verses 17 through 20. What I want you to see, the connection is the connection between spiritual vision and obtaining the promises of God in your life. And in this regard, we're talking about the promise of recovery. Here we go. Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse 17. When Moses sent them, as the 12 spies, to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. So he's sending them into that land. Now notice the next word, verse 18. What is the first word of verse 18? See. See what the land is like. Say that word with me. See. See what the land is like. That is, open your eyes, go and look at it. And whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the, it was the season for first ripe fruits. And so Moses sends him into the land and he says, open up your eyes and see see what you see. I want to know what you're seeing. Now, why would he want them to open up their eyes to see what was in the promised land? Because when they opened up their natural eyes, it was going to open up their spiritual eyes and inspire them to take the land that God wanted to give them. Now, instead of that occurring, I want you to notice exactly what happens. A sad story actually here going down to verse 26 of Numbers chapter 13. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. So now they've come back, they've been into the land, they looked around, they came back to give their report. They gave Moses this account, verse 27. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. So in essence, he's saying, we went into the land, and with our natural eyes, we saw some amazing things. Even here is the fruit. Look at what we found there. 
But, this is verse 28, that's a very significant word as well. They're interjecting something here. We saw this, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw, there's vision again. We saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, there the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look, this at the, we look the same to them. Here's what I want you to see. A lot of stuff we can talk about there, but here's this group that goes into the promised land. Moses says, go and see what you can see. Use your natural eyes to perceive something good in the spiritual realm. They went and they saw it with their natural eyes, but they had a problem with their spiritual eyes. They could see naturally it was a good land, but all they could focus on was was all the opposition in the land, all the giants they saw in the land, all the things that were going to represent difficulty, challenges, and in their mindset, impossibility to them. And so they couldn't see the possibility. All they could see was the impossibility. Yeah, they saw some goodness with natural eyes, but they saw a lot of obstacles and problems with their spiritual inner eyes. And because of that, they never made it into the promised land. Poor spiritual vision kept them stuck in their past. And the same will be true for you. If you and I do not develop good spiritual vision, we always get stuck in our past. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get stuck in my past. I, I want to be able to embrace the promised land that God has. And so you must understand that your internal vision is going to affect your external actions. These folks never went in and took the promised land. That generation did not because their, their, their internal vision kept them from taking the right external action. Can I ask you in your life today, how about you? How is your inner vision? How is your spiritual vision? Is it affecting the promises of God being fulfilled in your life? Is it it affecting the way you're living your life? The second point I want to share with you today is that seeing as God sees is what is critical to recovery. Let me see if I can explain this. If you say, well, pastor, the, the whole idea of spiritual vision is important to recovery. Well, how am I supposed to see? What, how, what kind of vision are you talking about? Without vision, people perish. And I see all that, but I'm not sure if I understand what spiritual vision really means and how I'm supposed to see on the inside. Well, let me see if I can take you back to the words of Jesus, and I'm going to help you to understand uh, what spiritual, good spiritual vision is all about. Uh, Maybe uh, if if you're like me, uh, I wear glasses, and uh, of course, I have to have corrective lenses to be able to see well. And there have been times that I've gone for an extended period of time without going back to the eye doctor and and getting a checkup, and so because of that, my prescription had changed, and I didn't realize it had changed, but uh, through the process of the examination, I discovered that I needed an updated prescription. It's always fun when you get your new glasses, and you put those new glasses on, and you're able to see what you couldn't see before. You thought, my goodness, I was seeing well before, but now 
I can't believe the things that I was missing. And the same is true in your relationship with God, that when God begins to help you to develop good spiritual sight, it's like putting on a new set of glasses. It's like thinking you've been seeing well before, but you realize, my goodness, I never saw it like this before. When the Holy Spirit, for example, opens up the scriptures to you and you understand something you've never understood before, that's God putting spiritual glasses on you, giving you the ability to have a vision that you've never had before. So let's go back to the words of Jesus just for a moment, words you're familiar with, and let's see if we can understand what this spiritual sight is all about. How do we see as God sees? Because it's critical to recovery. Jesus said in John 8, 32, then you will know the truth, and what will the truth do? It will set you free. Okay, notice that. You'll know the truth, and the truth will then set you free. Now, when we talk about knowing the truth, what do we mean by knowing the truth? To know the truth means you see it. You ever heard someone say before, hey, I got this. What it means is, I see that. I see what you're saying. I get it. I understand. So to know the truth doesn't just mean to be able to quote it. There are folks that can quote large portions of scripture, but it's not affecting their life because it's all up here. It's not down into the eyes of their heart. They haven't experienced revelation. They have information about God, but not revelation about God. And so to know the truth is more than just knowing verses from the Bible or knowing where certain verses are in the Bible. No, knowing the truth is I see it. I, I, I get it. Now I grasp what this, this passage is saying to me. And so it's a, a, vis, a spiritual vision, seeing the truth, knowledge of the truth, aware of what God is trying to say to us. And when you and I grasp that, we, we are seeing things that transform our lives. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Notice verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but notice this. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I'll come back to that in a moment. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, Paul says the way we're transformed is by changing the way we think. See, when you and I change the way we think, we change the way we see. I'll prove it to you. Maybe you've had a certain attitude toward a person before, and you thought about them a certain way, and because you thought about them a certain way, you saw them in that perspective. But then you got to know them, you met them, you learned something about them, you learned more of their story, what was going on with their life, and you, you thought differently about them, and so you saw them from a different perspective. And so this goes together. Thinking and seeing go together. Thinking produces perspective. Thinking produces a change in sight or a change in vision. And so we have to begin to think about what, what, what the Scripture says regarding who God is, what God is like, and how God sees us, and how we see ourselves, and how God wants us to, to view others, and how God wants us to treat others, and how God wants us to see and view the world that we live in, and the world that is to come in terms of eternity. All these things, when you and I begin to see God as God is, when you and I begin to see ourselves as God sees us, as you and I begin to view other people and treat 
other people as God wants us to, when we we begin to see the world the way God wants us to see it, everything changes. It changes our thoughts, it changes our sights, and improves spiritual vision, leads to a renewed mind that leads to a recovered life. Let me say that again. Improve. When you improve your spiritual vision, when your vision improves about who God is, when your vision improves about who you are in Christ in your relationship with Him, when your vision improves about other people, how you view other people and how you are to treat other people, when your vision improves so you see the world as God sees the world, then you begin to have a renewed mind which changes your behavior, which recovers your life. This is how spiritual vision is so vital to recovery. There's a great story, again, in the Bible that illustrates this change that happens, radical change that happens when our eyes are open. Notice 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 13. Let me set the story for you. It's the story of Elisha the prophet. Elisha the prophet was in a situation where the king of Syria was searching for him to kill him. And to send an army after him, and, and Elisha is hiding or away with his servant, and here are the, the armies of Syria coming to find Elisha. That, that sets the stage. Let's find out what happens here. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 13. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded. That's the king of Syria. Go find out where he is so I can send troops to seize him. That's Elisha. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. And so they got the report where Elisha was. So now the king of Syria is going to send all these troops to find Elisha to kill him because Elisha has been prophesying against this king. Verse 14. So one night the king of Aram, that's Syria, sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And so the king of Syria sends all these forces to Dothan where Elisha is and completely surrounds the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. And so the servant of Elisha wakes up the next morning. He goes and looks around everywhere he sees, to the right, to the left. He does a 360, and everywhere he looks, there are troops, Syrian troops everywhere. Of course, that strikes great fear in his heart. Notice what he says to Elisha, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. And so this young man says, this is all I see. I see all these enemies that are, that are about to pounce on us and destroy us. Look, Elisha, don't you see what I see? Notice verse 16. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are far more on our side than on theirs. Let's stop there for a moment. Now, get the picture. Here's this young man. He's with the old prophet Elisha. He's looking out and seeing all these Syrian troops around him. And he says, Elisha, don't you see this? Elisha, don't worry. No problems. They're more with us than are with them. Now, can you imagine this young man doing the math? One, two, and then hundreds, if not thousands of troops. See, the math didn't make sense to him. All he could see was himself and Elisha. But Elisha says, I see something different than you see. They're more with us than are with them. And then verse 17, Elisha prays a prayer for this young man. Very powerful prayer. O Lord, open his, what's the next word there? Open his eyes and let him see. 
Now, was he seeing? He was already naturally seeing, but the eyes of his heart were seeing the wrong thing. The eyes of his heart were seeing the enemy troops around him. But Elisha prays, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Let him see what I'm seeing. And notice what happens. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. In other words, what Elisha was seeing was true. There were, there were angels of God. God all around those Syrian troops, and there were more of the angels of God surrounding Elisha and this young man than, than, me, than were measured by the armies of Syria. And so this young man began to see as God wanted him to see, as Elisha saw his eyes were open, and the terrible fear that had gripped him, the terrible anxiety that he was dealing with was broken in a moment. Why? Because he saw as God saw very vital for you and me to have things broken from our lives. It's amazing what happens, the recovery that transpires, the breakthroughs that occur in our lives when we begin to see as God sees, when our eyes are open, when our vision changes, everything changes. In that moment, he had a recovery in his life. He had lost his peace. He had lost his assurance. He had lost his confidence that God was going to get him out of that situation. But in that moment, when his eyes were were open, he recovered. He immediately recovered peace in his life. Can I ask you, what's your vision? What is your vision of God? What is your vision of his son, Jesus Christ? What is your vision of yourself? What is your vision of your place in Jesus? Do you know him? Are you in a relationship with him? Are you secure in that relationship with him? Do you know that he's, he's washed your sins away? Do you know that you're in right standing with God? Do you, do you have that peace and assurance? Are you aware of who you are in Christ? What is your vision of other people? How do you view others? How, are you gracious? Are you caring? Are you positive toward others? Or do you manifest the opposite of those characteristics? How do you view the world in which we live? Do you define the world as the world defines itself? Or do you see the world as something that is perishing, something that is lost in need of salvation? What is your view of the world that is to come, eternity? Do you understand that Jesus Christ is coming back again one day, that this world as we see it, this world as we know it, is not going to be forever, that this is a temporary set of circumstances we live in until Jesus comes back again? What is your vision of these things? Because when your vision changes, recovery starts starts in your life? Do you see God as good and kind and gracious and loving? Do you see God as generous and just and holy and majestic? Do you see God as trustworthy? Do you see Jesus as your way to God? Do you see Jesus as eternally present, as the great Savior of the world and present with you as a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Do you see yourself as a believer in Jesus Christ who is saved and forgiven and loved and redeemed and belonging to the family of God and dwell by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, new in Christ, committed, obedient, responsive. Do you see yourself that way? Do you see, your, do you see others as objects of God's love, as individuals in need of Jesus, as people that you're capable of loving and serving and sharing with and helping by God's grace and power? Do you see this world as temporary, as broken, as sinful, in need of redemption? Do you view the life to come with joy with expectancy, with hope, with gratitude? Do you see as God sees? Why? Because when you and I begin to see as God sees, it changes everything. Recovery happens just like it did for that young man who was bound up in fear. We talked about with Elisha. And in the moment, 
His eyes were open. He recovered his peace. He was able to handle a situation because he knew who God was. Third and final point, your speech will always reflect your vision. I'll say that again. Your speech will always reflect your vision. Have you ever really listened to yourself? I mean, really listen to yourself. It's not easy to do. It's like listen to what you're saying in your conversations. Uh, usually we're sort of caught up in a conversation. We're caught up with wanting to say the next thing. We don't listen to ourselves very much. And you learn a lot about yourself if you'll just listen to yourself. Listen to what you're saying. Listen to the thoughts that are flowing out of your mouth because your words actually reveal you. Your, your words will show you where you are. They'll reveal the content of your heart. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees one day, and he, he, these Pharisees were making all kind of accusations and negative words being spoken, and Jesus addresses them very clearly in Matthew 12, verse 34. Listen to what he said to these Pharisees, these religious leaders who did not have the right heart, and by reason of not having the right heart, the right things were not coming from their mouth. And he says, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? Notice this, for whatever is in your heart, whatever you're seeing in here, whatever you're believing in here determines what you say. The content of your heart is about how you see and about how you think. That's what your heart is. What you see and hear, how you think inside of you, and it's going to affect the words that flow from your mouth. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.